Hi, welcome back to another episode of Rescuing Raptors. I'm Nancy McDonald, a bird of prey rescuer here in Maryland. I rescue mostly along the Chesapeake Bay and the associated waterways, but I do go northwest or even over to Maryland's eastern shore to rescue or capture sick, injured, or orphan birds of prey. So today I'm going to share some information with you about doing water rescues. They can be risky, but most of the ospreys and bald eagles that I pick up are often on the shoreline. And when they see me coming, they start running towards the water to escape me usually. So let's talk a little bit about what it's like to do a water rescue, what you have to consider, how you're going to plan it, what the risks are, and how to be successful if you do undertake a wildlife water rescue. We're talking about birds of prey here, but uh, this pretty much is going to cover pretty much any little wildlife critter out there. So let's start out by talking about the kind of gear that you'll need. If your swimming skills are such that you're not really sure about grabbing a bird and side stroking single-handedly back to the shore with it tucked under one arm, then I highly, highly beg you, urge you, get fitted for a personal flotation device, a PFD. Do get one that's U.S. Coast Guard approved, all right? Um, there's all kinds of them out there. Go and try them on. Try on dozens until you get one that you like, that fits you well, and that you feel comfortable with. All right, next now, uh, depending upon how you feel about getting exposed to river, bay, ocean water, you may want to invest in a pair of chest waders. You can go to Amazon and get a pretty decent set. I think for about $50 to $70, uh, they are not insulated. All right. If you th feel like you're going to be doing a lot of wintertime water rescues or, or water that just stays cold constantly, then you will want to go to some of the online um, hunting uh, gear stores and you want to look at uh, insulated waders all the way up to your chest, but there are going to be a few hundred bucks, if not more. So I always do put my chest waders on, even in the summertime when it's 90 degrees, because there, there is some really dangerous bacteria in the water here, depending upon what's been discharged after a heavy rain or whatever. And I don't like taking chances. There are people who've gotten sick from some flesh-eating bacteria and, and have been hospitalized for long periods of time, and, and a lot of them have suffered some very permanent uh, damage in, in, in injuries afterwards. So I just don't want to take that chance. Or if you're really brave and you don't care, then uh, when you're going to do a water rescue, change into uh, quick dry clothing uh, so you dry out fairly fast once you get back on shore. Alrighty, let's talk about some more gear here. I carry my net with me because depending upon the situation, sometimes you can put the net over the bird who, if they jump in the water, they're always going to be swimming away from you. You can put the net over them and gently haul it into you, just pulling it in. Or you can put it up underneath the bird and scoop it up. But if you're going to use the scooping method, there's a chance that the bird can escape the net. So I always prefer to drop it over the top of the bird and just gently pull it back to me. Whatever method you use, do your best to keep the bird's head above water. Uh, if they ingest water, they, they can be prone to getting lung infections, um, aspergillosis, and it can be fatal. All right, so how do you even know if you're in for a water rescue adventure anyways? Well, again, especially here on the Chesapeake Bay and surrounding waterways, eagles and ospreys live on or near the water, and there's a very high probability that when they get sick or injured that they end up on a dock, on a beach, um, or on a bulkhead or on a grassy lawn that, you know, slopes gently down into the water. I've, I've done them all. Okay. Uh, and again, often they're right on the water's edge. A lot of times their little toes or talons are right in the water. So given that 
out of an abundance of caution, go ahead and suit up or do whatever you got to do to get yourself ready to go into the water. But before you do that, there's several critical questions that you want to ask and get answers for because this information is going to help you do a successful rescue. And most importantly, it's going to keep you safe. So when I go um, to these water rescues, uh, they're usually private residences on the water. And so the homeowners are there and, and they are very concerned, obviously. So they know exactly what's going on down right off their dock or off their beach or off their bulkhead. So the first thing I ask is, so how deep is the water here? I'm five foot two and a half. So it's not going to take a whole lot for me to get in over my head. All right. Uh, I always ask them, is it a gently sloping um, um, surface underneath the water or is there a steep drop off that I need to be concerned about? And if there is, um, you know, how deep does the water get if there's a steep drop off and how far offshore is that steep drop off, by the way? All right. You really want to get a clear picture in your head of what you're getting yourself into. And these waterfront property owners here, where we have tidal deviations, obviously, they can tell you what the water depth is for both high and low tide. And that's important. That's the other thing that, that you want to ask them if, if you don't know yourself. Now, I'm a sailor, so I know how to look for high tide marks, low tide marks, whatever. So, you know, I, I always know that whatever they're telling me, it's at that time, whether tide's in or out. So if the water is going to be over your head, I would like to ask you to please consider using a watercraft such as a boat, a canoe or a kayak to launch out there and to round up the bird. I, I, I would really beg you to do that because it doesn't take much for you to get in trouble out there. It really doesn't, even if you're a good swimmer. So then I do ask him, so what is the bottom like? If it's mud, it's way too risky because as soon as you step in, you're going to sink and you're going to get stuck and then you're going to need to be rescued. So again, use a boat, a canoe, a kayak. If it's a sandy bottom, you're going to do just fine. Now, here's the other reason why you may want to put on waders of some sort walking in the water. So here in the Chesapeake Bay and on the ocean and everything, uh, we have cow nose rays, but we also have uh, jellyfish or as we call them locally, stinging nettles. I have never stepped on a cow nose ray and gotten stung, but I understand that it will send you to the hospital quicker than you can think about it. I have been stung more times than I care to admit by jellyfish and uh, it, it, it is not pleasant. It hurts. And if you get more than one jellyfish stinging you, you can actually uh, have a severe allergic reaction and you may also need to go to the emergency room uh, to get an EpiPen shot so you can start breathing again. I've gotten stung so bad by jellyfish, I've literally stopped breathing. So again, these are the things that you're going to want to know and it's another good reason for putting on a set of waders just to protect your body. All right. So now the next question, and especially again, along tidal shorelines, I like to ask, I always ask Ashley, so do you have riprap? Riprap, excuse me. Um, here on the bay, the waters are extremely murky. They're not at all clear. So, you know, you literally can't see what you're stepping into. If you don't live along the water now, you might not be familiar with riprap. So, this is rocks piled up against the shore, usually in an underwater to slow down or prevent beach erosion or bulkhead erosion. Walking on riprap is incredibly risky because the rocks are wet, duh. They're very slimy and they can also be covered in extremely sharp barnacles that will slice you to ribbons. Ask me how I know, I've had it happen. Plus, if the water is murky, and, and, and it is here on the bay again, you can't see what's coming up, you don't know what you're placing your foot on, 
So there's an incredibly high risk of, um, you know, slipping and falling, snapping a leg and ankle or falling and suffering other body injuries as well. A riprap is no fun. If you have to walk on it and if it's not very deep, I highly suggest that you lower your center of gravity by bending your knees, maybe even um, putting on your gloves and literally crawling over it to keep yourself safe. All right, so now you're geared up and you're ready to go. If the bird is on the water's edge, and a lot of times they are, and a lot of times they're facing the water looking out, honestly, your best bet is to go ahead and enter the water a little ways away from the bird, either to the left or to the right, six, seven, eight, nine feet. Um, if the bird starts shifting and looking nervous, you're getting too close, back up. Circle on out, walk on out, wade out several feet or a few feet, assuming the water isn't deep already, and then slowly circle your way in towards the bird. And I mean, walk slowly, okay? Extend your net and try to put the net over the bird to stop it from walking, running, or swimming, okay? Um, a lot of times they will, if you're coming from the right, they're gonna turn left and they're gonna try to run or they're gonna try to get in the water. So you, you, you have to be ready either way, okay? Um, now I have a lot of success using this method because I've got an extension pole on my net. So I usually do pretty darn good. If they get in the water though, again, um, as soon as they hit the water and they spread their wings, it, it, it really slows them down. There's a lot of resistance. They're not fast swimmers. So you've got a super good chance of, of snagging them. So now if you have the bird pinned down, go ahead, walk up to it and use your favorite handling techniques to free it from the net. Uh, so it, for, for any water rescue, in addition to what I've already talked about, here's something that's super duper important, and I probably should have said this up front. Have someone on the shore to assist you with the rescue and to be on hot standby to call for help if you get in trouble. Please never, ever, never, ever go out by yourself to do a water rescue unless you have at least one bystander to assist you or to call for help. I cannot stress this enough. I really, really cannot. Don't go out in the middle of the night. Don't go out early in the morning. Don't go into the woods and, and go to a river's edge by yourself. Please don't do it. Have at least one person with you. Have them have their cell phone ready, okay? I know you wanna do the right thing and I know you wanna help that bird out of a bad situation, but if you put yourself in a situation where you and the bird have to be rescued, that can really complicate things. And, and it can turn south, it, it can head south in a big hurry. So assuming now that you got the bird here, make your way safely back to the shore by being very careful where you walk. Get to dry land as quickly as possible using the shortest route if that's also the safest route for you to do, all right? Your safety and the bird's safety. So while water rescues do carry a risk, they, they can be done safely just with a little bit of planning. If you keep all these things in mind, you're gonna do fine. I'm Nancy McDonald, a raptor rescuer here in Maryland. And I'm glad you tuned in to hear this episode of Rescuing Raptors. Until next time, remember, please try to treat others with kindness, courtesy, dignity, and, and respect as much as you possibly can. So long.